What we're going to do today is we're going to overview a little bit of Joshua and show you how uh, Ephesians is a commentary on, on Joshua. And, and, and we're going to kind of connect the two so that you can kind of feel the bridge going from Joshua to Ephesians. So if you would, just turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. That should be easy. Should be able to, that thing should open itself up automatically. On the way over, it should flop open, you know. Uh, Joshua chapter 24. And what we're going to see is what God says about who He is with the nation Israel. We already know this. But let's reconfirm it in our hearts. But what we're going to also learn as we flip over a little bit later on to the book of Ephesians is we're going to see that the same promises that God made to the people in Joshua, He has made to us in the New Testament times through the book of Ephesians. You see, these two books are related because Joshua in and of itself was a book of wars. It was a book of conquering and battles one after another as they moved into the promised land. Well, the book of Ephesians tells us that we are to put on the whole armor of God. And we are to do battle. Just as Israel did battle with their enemies in the promised land, you and I have a common enemy. That enemy is a spiritual enemy. It lives and it reigns in the, in, in the heavenly places, I guess you would call it. It is Satan and and all of his demons. And they are doing battle against us. They want you and me to fall short of what God wants for us. And we've got to, just like Joshua, when he had his officers come in and put their foot on the necks of their enemies and kill their enemies. And as I explained at that time, that's what God's asking out of you and me. To put our foot on the neck of, of spiritual enemies. Those things that keep on beating us up and making us fall short of what God has for us in our lives. We're to put our foot on the neck of that enemy and kill it. And we are to live a life like they did, an inheritance they had in the land, and blessing God and following after their God, so we are to do in the book of Ephesians. So, as we say goodbye to this wonderful book of Joshua, let's think again what we were were taught. This overview automatically will bridge itself to the book of Ephesians. Now, as a nation, Israel owed everything that they had to God. He protected them. He guided them. He cared for them. He loved them at every single turn. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we looked into the last chapter, chapter 24 of Joshua. And we saw a reoccurring theme happening right before our eyes now look with me for a moment and let's see let's start with chapter 24 and let's go from verse 3 to verse 13 and we'll see over and over again how god did everything for the israelites his people just going to take a look at a few few words in in each in each verse verse 3 it says then now watch i took we're going to talk about what God did for Israel. He took their father Abraham from beyond the river and he led Abraham through all the land of Canaan. He multiplied Abraham's descendants. He gave him Isaac. Look at verse 4. To Isaac, God says, I gave Jacob and Esau. And to Esau, he says, verse 4, I gave Mount Seir. It goes on in verse 5. I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt 
what I did in its midst. Afterwards, I brought you out. Verse 6, I brought your fathers out from Egypt. Verse 7, He put, God put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea upon them. He covered them. And your own eyes saw what God says, I did in Egypt. Verse 8, Then I brought you into the land. A little later in verse 8, I gave them into your hand. At the last part of verse 8, I destroyed them before you. Verse 10, I was not willing to listen to Balaam. I delivered you from his hand. The end of verse 11, I gave them into your hand. Verse 12, I sent the hornet's nest at the beginning of verse 13. I gave you a land on which you did not labor, cities in which you did not build. You know, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has given you and me all the blessings. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, You and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We did not have to work for these blessings. These blessings are there. They are ours to claim. God has given them to us. All He asks of us is the same thing He asked of Israel. And that is to be obedient and to follow Him faithfully all the days of our lives. Once we do these things, just as Israel inherited the land, you and I, because of what Christ did for us, we didn't have to do a thing. He did it all. He died and rose again from the dead to give you and me our inheritance, our blessings. And so all we're going to see is the comparison between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So let's pray. Let's let's ask the Lord to to move upon our hearts this wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day morning and that we might worship Him in truth and in sincerity. Father, we ask um, your, Your privilege upon our lives. We ask, Father, that You might you might reveal yourself to us this morning. As we read through your words, Father, let us take our eyes off of whoever the speaker may be. In this case, Father, it's me, but it really is not, Father. I I want you to be seen more than, than life itself. So I pray that you would hide me behind the wonders of your words. May we see your statement to each of us. And Father, when we do that, then, Father, you are... Unleashed to do anything and everything you would want to do with every single one of us. And you would take one message and mold it upon all kinds of people in different ways and affect us in different ways, Father. And so we ask that you would bless us, that you would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your most precious, precious word, your law. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for each lady in this church, Father. We, we wish the moms a very, very wonderful and happy Mother's Day. And to the other ladies who um, do not, for one reason or another, have children, Father, we ask your blessings upon them as well. We, as well. we love every single woman that is a part of this church. We thank you for each of them, Father. Each of them have had a, an impact on all of our lives in one way or another. So bless them and bless this time that we spend now with you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.
Have I ever told you guys, I know this is stupid. I, I'm thinking while I'm praying, I love you folks so much. It's really hard to put into words. What a privilege it is to gather together and to, and to be with you folks. Last night we had such a nice attendance of people on Saturday night. Saturday night is so much fun for me as, as it is Sunday morning. I don't take one service over another. They're all, they all have this, their own place. But I just cannot tell you how much I love you. I cannot tell you what a blessing it is to be a part of this church. I pray that I never do anything to disappoint any of you. And I pray that uh, all of our days and all of our lives that, that we will just uh, just love one another. That's going to be part of this message, by the way. So we read out of Joshua all the things that God did for Israel. We're going to see in Ephesians all the things that he has done for us as believers. So it ought not to surprise us that the theme that blends itself out of Joshua and out of Ephesians is serving our God. Now, why serving? Well, when we begin to realize that our Lord so cares for us, so loves us, so wants best for us, it ought to lead us into a a deeper experience of a spiritual life. It ought to lead us into a, 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 a new commitment, if you would, of serving the Lord our God. Because He so obviously proves His love for us over and over and over again. And so this lesson is God's of, of God's care is just a glimpse of, of what is clearly taught throughout the New Testament uh, to confirm that truth. Then let's turn now to Ephesians chapter 2. Would you please for a moment? Now, obviously this is not going to... This is just the beginning of, of Ephesians. We wouldn't start at, in the middle of, of, of any book. We want to start right in the the very beginning and and make sense of what is being said from the very beginning, just like as you would read a letter. But what I want to do today is to make a point of the comparison between Joshua and Ephesians. And so let's try to put the experiences that they had that we have just studied for all of these weeks. And let's bring that experience into our lives as seen through the New Testament book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, we learn a very important thing. Paul tells us in verse 1 that we are dead. Actually, he says were. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Israel, they were dead in Egypt. They were dead in the wilderness. They did not have an inheritance. They were dead. But God brought them into the promised land and gave them a new life. So... We are told in Ephesians that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, verse 2, in which we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's our enemy, the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Paul reminds us and himself, among them, we too, he includes himself, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. We indulged in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. One of the great, great hinges from one verse to another verse, from one thought to another thought is verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. Two words, but God. You see, you and I were dead, deader than a doornail. The word dead there means clinically dead. 
It's like going into a morgue and expecting one of the corpses there to respond. Get up, there's a fire, let's get out of here. Good move. He doesn't hear us. He won't, he won't respond. Why? He's dead. The Bible says that we were in that same state. We were unable to relate to God. But God changed all of that. His being rich, verse 4, in His mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, He loved Israel, took them out of, out of bondage, took them out of the wilderness, and brought them into the promised land. And He's going to do the same for us. He's going to take us, all of us that want to believe in Him, He will take us out of a death place, into, out of bondage, and He will bring us into a new relationship. So, but, but God, verse 4, being rich in His mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ, just as He did with Israel, bringing them into the promised land. And so He reminds us by grace, God's unmerited favor, that's grace, you and I have been saved. Then it says in verse 6, watch, He has raised us up with Him. He has seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You, as far as God is concerned, you and I are already in heaven. As far as God is concerned, we're there. We have to go through what is, I guess, called the time. There will be none of that in heaven. We now go through time, day after day, hour after hour. We wait upon things. But God sees us already perfected in heaven, seated with Him in the heavenly places alongside of Jesus Christ. And so we see from verses 1 through verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 2, God's love and care for us, raising us up with Him even when we were dead, making us alive together with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places. Same thing with Israel. God gave Israel the land, gave them all of their inheritance and all of their blessings. Now, watch verses 7, 8, and 9 of Ephesians chapter 2. Why did He do that? Wow. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, in the times to come, what He's going to do is He'll show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We're going to be, if you would, like a trophy. We're going to be someone, if you would, to be displayed for all eternity of God's grace because He has taken the lot of us, Paul, everyone else, all of us who are sinners, He has taken the lot of us. He has made us alive when we were once dead and He's going to show us off for all eternity. And reason being, we're going to be showing off for His kindness towards us. So it says in verse 8, By grace you and I have been saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It's, it's a gift. God has given this salvation to us. God told Israel, they did not have to fight, I mean, excuse me, they did not have to uh, bargain for that land. That land was theirs, given to them by God. The blessings, the inheritance, all came as they did battle against the enemy. In your life and my life, all the blessings that Christ wants to give us is there. You and I do not have to 
make them up. They're already there. But what God asks of us is the same thing He asks of Israel. We have to do battle against the enemy. We have to be faithful just like they do. They, have to, they were to be obedient, so are we to be obedient. So it's a gift of God. Verse 9, it's not a result of our works. In other words, there's nothing you and I can do to, to, to earn it so that we would not boast. And so in verses 7, 8, and 9, we see that His blessings of saving us through faith gives us the gift of eternal life. So just like with Israel, they got the blessings of the land, you and I get the blessings of our inheritance of heaven. Consequently, because of that, we are called for a purpose here on this earth. Verse 10. Oh man, what a verse. Because of all of this, you and I are His workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's service. That's serving God. We have been created in Christ Jesus to do good work. But God says He has prepared this work for us beforehand so that we would just simply walk in them. All that God has asked for you and me to do has already been done. That's why I say as a church, we don't try to seek out where we're going. Yeah, it's great to have a vision. Of course it's good to have a vision. But the best vision you can have, if possible, is God's vision. And so we don't try to do here at this church, we don't try to say, this is where we're going, God. Come on, bless us. We're going. No, no, no. We try to get in the Word of God. We try to sense where is God moving in our life as a church. What does God expect for this church? And we want to follow after where He is going with this church, knowing when we follow after Him, we will receive the blessings that God has prepared for us beforehand. That's what your life ought to be. As a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a child. Seek where is God moving in your life and follow Him and receive the blessings. And so because of His love for us, we have been given, I would love to call it the privilege of serving Him. Imagine a ministry that He has carved out for you and for me that He has prepared for us beforehand so that we would simply walk in this opportunity that He has given us to serve Him. What a privilege. Here's the problem. Far too many people today find ministry a drudgery. Serving the Lord, there becomes a loss of passion or a loss of commitment. A weariness, if you would in our serving the Lord. Let me tell you something right off the bat. Don't you dare do anything that you don't want to do for the Lord. Because you're going to be miserable in it. You're going to be... You'll find reason why you shouldn't have done it. And you're going to be cantankerous. And you'll get drudgery over it. And you'll be weary. No, no, no. I ask you to seek out the Lord your God, to love Him with all your heart and desire to serve Him and then serve Him as He moves and in, 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 involves in your life. When you do that, then you and I will become like Caleb. 
we'll be old and strong as a bull because we won't be doing work on our power. We're going to be doing ministry that God has called us to do. And when He has called you and me to do something, He will provide the way through it. He will give you the energy to do it. Everything that is needed, God will supply. And so this drudgery, it, this drudgery, I, I use the word incorrectly, it's, it's usually founded because we don't understand the Word of God. We think we've got to do, got to do, got to do. No, you don't got to do. You should want to do. It should be something that, that pours out of your, your innermost being. You, you, wasn't it Paul that said, Woe to me if I don't preach? I, I, I've got to preach the gospel. Man, I'm not saying I'm Paul, but boy, do I understand that. I mean, I totally understand that. There's only one reason why I wish I was younger. I would love to be, I don't know, I would love to be 40 so that I could have all that many more years left to be with you and to preach and to, and to be able to share the Word of God with people that, that want to grow in their faith. So we need to understand the Word of God. We need to understand that, that God has given you and me, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, God has given you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If there would be growth in your life, it's because of the Holy Spirit. If there is progress in your life, it's because of the Holy Spirit. If there would be any advance in our lives as Christians, it is because of God the Holy Spirit. We owe all that we are in Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. The Holy Spirit, who is none other than God Almighty in the form of a spirit. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul said. This is the only time I'm going to ask you to leave the book of Ephesians for a moment. It's just the book to the left, Galatians. It's only a page or two to the left. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Paul gives us a glimpse. Now, you've got to remember, Paul is, he calls himself the chief of all sinners. He, he, he didn't have a real great start in life. I mean, he was religious. We'll give him that. But what he wanted to do was to destroy Jesus Christ. He wanted to destroy Christians. He wanted to destroy the church. And God called him aside in the book of Acts when he was on the road to Damascus. God called Paul aside and told Zacchaeus to go and lay hands on him because he had a mission for, for Paul. At that time he called him Saul. Later God changed Saul's name to Paul. And, he, and God said, go to him. He is a chosen instrument of mine. Now, he said that about Saul when Saul was, was ravishing the church. He was, he was destroying the church. And yet God saw Paul with his eyes, God's eyes, and saw that Paul is going to be a chosen instrument of his. And when God moved in the life of Paul, Paul had so much energy that he could do everything that God called him to do. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, I want you to know this, brethren. He says, this I want you to know. The gospel, which was preached by me, is not according to man. In other words, it's not my idea. It's not someone's idea. It's why I, to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons why I pray God put me aside. 
let the people see the word of God, not my words. I don't want to give you my philosophy. And you don't want your, my philosophy on life. We want to see what God is saying to each of us. So Paul says, I, I didn't get this from man. I, I neither received it from a man, he says in verse 12, nor was I taught it by a man. I added the word by the man. But he says, I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, you've heard of my former manner of life in Jerusalem. I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure. Tried to destroy it, he said. I was advancing in Judea beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. I was more zealous for my ancestral traditions than, than all of them. And yet God still had his hand upon Paul, calling him a chosen instrument of his, even when he was down and out. Let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you not yet know Jesus Christ, and you think that you've sinned so deeply that God could never forgive you, take that thought and throw it away. It is, it is a lie from the very pit of hell. God will forgive you of anything and everything that you have ever done. He loves you so much. And I would have, hopefully, the boldness to say to you this morning, if you're here investigating about Christ, He has called you to be a chosen instrument of His. Just come to know and believe in Him and trust in Him as your Lord and as your Savior. So He says, same, remember the word, but God in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4? Look at here in verse 15. But when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb. And he called me through his grace. Watch this now. He, God, was pleased, verse 16, was pleased to reveal his son to me. Imagine. God was pleased to reveal his son. I'm telling you, folks, God is pleased to reveal his son to you and me as well. It's not just Paul's blessings. God wants to reveal himself to you and me as well. He wants to reveal His Son to me and was pleased to do so, Paul says at the end of verse 16, so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Paul, in other words, prayed. And the Holy Spirit came upon Paul, guided him and strengthened him to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. When, when I hear pastors saying they get tired need to go on a vacation. I don't know. I, I don't say this. Please, if you hear it like I'm bragging, please don't hear this. But I can't believe it. I don't understand it. One of my best friends in Texas heard that I got cancer. He says, I'm giving you and your wife, Kay, a 30-day cruise with me. The, 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 he's on it right now. He's going to give me a 30-day cruise. I said, why don't you hang me by the neck? My, one of my best buddies. I played baseball with him most of my career. I said, why don't you just hang me by the neck? You think I want to be 30 days with you enclosed on a boat? <laughs> what I really told him is I couldn't leave this church for 30 days. Let's say, for instance, God was going to take me home in 30 days. Do you think I want to be on a cruise instead of being with you? How foolish. I can't for the life of me why, wonder why people want to get away from church. 
This is my vacation. This is my cruise. I love you folks. When I say I love you, I'm not just saying that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And so Paul was able to preach to the Gentiles and never tire out because I believe he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do what God called him to do. That same God, folks, who took care of Israel in Joshua, that same God who took care of Paul here in Galatians is also pleased to reveal himself to us through his Son. And he desires to do whatever it is he wants to do in your life just as he did with Paul. In other words, not the same ministry, but the same blessings. He desires for you and me to serve him the good works that he has prepared beforehand that you and I should do so that we would simply walk in them for his sake. Look, when that, when that truth grips your heart, when, when that becomes really a part of who you are, when it becomes deeply rooted within you, when, when you and I can no more speak but speak his words, when we can no more live than live his life, in and through us, when we understand the things that we have learned by the grace of God through the fire of studying and beginning to know His Word, then your life and my life will change dramatically. I'm going to say next week a verse. You don't need to turn to. You'll be able to see it next week. But it's Ephesians. Excuse me. It's Nehemiah 8.8. Nehemiah said they read from the book of the law. They translated. Why? So as to give sense. So that they understood what they were reading. That's what we do in church. That's what we do in small groups. We, we read from the Word of God so that, so that we get sense of what is being said by God in and through our hearts. What is being said to you. Not what is being said to the group. It's what's, what is God saying to your heart you know, I am utterly amazed at times, and it has happened over and over and over and over again, when people come to me and said, boy, that, that message, you must have had me in mind. That message was perfect for me because I'm going through this, whatever this is. And sure enough, someone will come up to me later and say, wow, you must have had me in mind. That message you gave hit me right where I was at. It, it is... It is because I am going through this. And that this and that this are so so far apart. There's no way that one man, a human being, could make that fit. Only God does things like that. That is, I see miracles all the time. I, I'm, I'm utterly amazed by it. I, when someone will come and say, I am going through X and that message... I'm, I'm okay now. I, I understand. Another person come up and say, I'm going through why, and I'm okay now. I understand. And I look at the tooth, and I say, I was preaching on Z. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I don't ever ask that question anymore. I know exactly. As a matter of fact, I try to just get Z out of my mind. I preach whatever it is I believe that God would have because His Word will do His work within your life. 
And so when we understand that, when we start to understand who He is, what His Word means to us in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then serving Him will not become overwork. You will not feel overworked. It truly will become a, a service of overflow, if I may use two kind of similar words. An overflow of our hearts that we can do no less. That's why Caleb was as strong as a bull. It wasn't that he was was out of out of the ordinary it was that he followed god all the days of his life and god strengthened him and god empowered caleb not caleb you see god sent and gave jesus christ to you and me for a purpose god's crowning purpose in your life and my life is to one day present each and every single one of us to himself perfect and sinless because of jesus christ now Back to Ephesians, this time chapter 4, and we're going to close in this chapter. i got just some things I want to say out of this great chapter. What is God's crowning purpose for you? We're going to talk about this again, but it, it, it deserves to be said this morning. I want to paraphrase almost every one of these verses I'm going to read, but I'm not going to change the meaning. I'm just going to add some words to it for the benefit of hopefully understanding. You and I in verse 12 have been called. Look at verse 12. We have been called to equip one another. That's what you and I have been asked to do. We gather together as a church, multi-gifted, different gifts within every single one of us so as to equip each other. All that any one of us has as a gift isn't enough to equip this church. We are all needed. So we have been called by God to equip one another. Why? For the work of service. There it is. To serve the Lord our God. Why? To build up the body of Christ. That's a purpose for us. Our purpose. You know that purpose-driven Let me tell you our purpose. Our purpose is to equip one another, to serve one another so as to build up the body of Christ. That's the purpose of a church. So the church becomes unified together. Watch what he says. Verse 13, why? So that we could obtain unity of our faith, knowledge of the Son of God, so that we would become mature Christians which belongs to the fullness of Christ. All of this is done by all of us when we, when we use the gifts that God has given us, when we serve the Lord our God in this church so as to build each other up so that we could obtain unity. Unity of our faith. Knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature men and women who belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, you and I cannot do this being children. Verse 14, in other words, we can't do this being people who do not learn God's Word. God's Word is the only thing, the only thing that will mature you and me. Because if we don't get into the Word of God, look at the rest of verse 14, we'll become tossed and turned by every wind of doctrine. There are so many things and so many philosophies out there. How do you know? Who knows the right way to go? 
There are numbers of people. I just, I, there, there was a while ago, I, I, I met my, one of my friend's wife for the first time, and she, she had a book on her desk, and I was already pre-warned by another one of my buddies that she was going to try to entrap me. And, and she said, what do you think of this book? It was called The Secret. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a book, I told her. You know, I, I, didn't, I told her, I didn't, later I told her, I told her it's just a book. I, 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 no, she says, it'll lead you to spiritual growth. I said, no, it won't. No, it won't. She says, well, in this book, it, it's about Jesus. As I says, yeah, and who else? Well, Buddha, she says, oh, religions are poured into one thought so that you can make a choice. And I said, I've already made a choice, and so did God. That book is garbage. I got a little angry with her. That book is garbage, I said to her. She says, well, Oprah doesn't think so. Think so. Uh, I couldn't believe she said that to me. I said to her, I do not want to get into an argument at this point. Because all my buddies were there and they were all looking at me, just gleefully looking at me. And she said, she said to me, you believe Jesus Christ is the only way, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, I have a brother-in-law who's Jewish. Are you telling me he's going to hell? How's that? Just met this dear lady. I said, no, I am not telling you your brother-in-law is going to hell. I said, I didn't have my Bible. I said, the Word of God says that anyone who does not accept Jesus Christ is lost and would be doomed to hell. Which my, one of my buddies who was there says, I don't believe that. Now I got two of them. And I said, time out. I said, let's, uh, let's talk about the weather. Um, you guys, uh, you want to make up things. I said, well, then what do you think will drive a person to hell? He said, well, I don't know, but I don't think not knowing Jesus Christ will do it. I said, well, there's a, I didn't say this at the time, but there's a, a wind of doctrine. He doesn't know. She says, I know. I said, oh, what? She says, well, all you have to be is good. I said, oh, really? Really? How good do you have to be? If we don't learn the Word of God, we will be tossed and turned. These were very intelligent people, by the way. These were not fools. She owned a very, very wonderful business. Become tossed and turned by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, rather, we are to grow up in Christ. That's it. That's it. That's your purpose in, in your faith. And so Paul says in verse 21, let's jump ahead because I've got to close right now. If indeed, he says, you've heard him. In other words, if indeed you have been taught in him, how can any church, how can any church, how can any pastor that has been called by God into ministry teach the people anything but these words? How? If you've been taught in him if you know him this is the only way you're going to be taught this is the only way you're going to know him not by my philosophy on life not by anyone's philosophy on life but what god has to say if you have heard him if you've been taught in him just as truth is in jesus so he says in verse 22 lay aside your old self and he says in verse 23 be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, put on your new self. 
which is in the likeness of God. It has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You see, God sent and gave Jesus Christ to you and me for a purpose. That purpose is to one day present him to present us to himself mature and perfected in Christ Jesus. While we are here on this earth, he has called you and me to serve him so as to build up the body of Christ in unity. In unity. There's nothing more devastating than if a church not to be unified. Maturity is what we're striving for. Understanding the Word of God is what we're striving for. Paul said to those people, those dear people back in Joshua, he said, look, let's not be like your dads who chased after the other gods of the Amorites and the Canaanites. Let's not do that. And then he said the most famous of verses in all of Scripture. He said, choose for yourselves today. Whom will you, what, serve? He says, but for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is the very issue of your life. Choose. As we said last week, everyone's going to serve somebody. Everyone's going to serve someone. So Joshua looked the people in the eyes and he said, Look, he says, I'm about to die. Choose for yourselves today whom you're going to serve. And he let them know, For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Follow after that plan. Father, the most precious plan that you have given us is the one that you devised long, long, long ago. When you chose to give your son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross and die, shed his blood and die for mankind's sin. And then you allowed that one, Jesus, to raise from the dead. And so you allowed him, Father, to rise from the dead so that we would know that death no longer is victory over us. It's, it, it has no more sting. It's... it's It's what Paul said. For us to live, that's Jesus Christ. For us to die, it's just gain. And so thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for this precious, precious place in God's Word. Just all of it, Father. How it blends together is overwhelming to me. Father, I love these people so much. I I pray you'll bless us all as we go from here and, and let every woman here in this church feel the blessings of being loved today. For those who are moms, Father, may they, may they sense their children rise up and call them blessed. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. Happy Mother's Day and have a great, great day, all of you. See you next week. See you next week.